Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Saturday draft live. I am David Campbell, and I am hungover to fuck. Um, you can call me hungover. You can call me Betty. You can call me Al. Do 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 do. And we're going to be talking about the last. No, Dave. No, I sing. One man band. We're going to be talking about the last week in the draft. I'm going to get myself through this without being sick. I'm joined today. Uh, you can call him a space cowboy. It's Jack Graham. A space cowboy. Lovely, lovely. Um. Glad to be here. You know, the, the the gap may have shortened, but it's a gap nonetheless. So I'm still still flying high. And of course, I'm glad to be here on Saturday Draft Live with you, David Campbell, and David Hornley, of course. So. Thank you so much. That's so sweet to see. And you can call him a gangster of love. It is David Hockney. Who are you? Ga- gangster of... Oh, my God. What, what, where, where's that come from? Like um, The Joker by the Steve Miller Band. Like these, Have you never heard this song? Some mm. people call me Maurice. Well, wow. <laughs> that one? No. No, I'm 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 the furthest away thing from a gangster, so I don't know why you've given me that moniker. Gangster of love, Dave. A gangster of love. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna run through the top three scorers of the week. Basically, there was a three-way tie for second, but I honestly believe that we've talked about Drew McIntyre enough so far this season. Oh come so on! He, he was one of the come people on. who tied, but we're just gonna mention that and move on. Jack, Jack, you don't need to don't need to distress, you don't need to panic, because one of the other people who tied was Mr. Jay Uso on seven points. Big storyline developments, big win over Street Profits last night, and as it transpires, they're getting a match against the Mysterios next week with him and Jimmy maybe challenging for those SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Jay Uso slowly creeping up the table this season in terms of the the best uh, draft picks. What are are your thoughts on Jay Uso? Uh, Someone that needed to be drafted in the in the first two rounds, I'm I'm glad that he, he did. I didn't give away any further than that. I've been absolutely criminal, as obviously been told. Uh, good to see Jimmy being back as well. That kind of adds another layer to the storyline, so even more exposure for Jay, which is ultimately good for Stephen. As I just said, they've got the tag title match next week, but there's a wee a wee kind of promo bit in SmackDown where Jay was sitting with Roman, and they were talking about, "Oh, I don't want you to be known as." one of the Usos again, you're Jay Uso, you're like the right-hand man in the event. I don't want you to get mixed up between the two. So I don't know if they'll, maybe are we, are we cost the tag title match? I don't know, because it seems to be pretty soon to get the shot. I don't know, I'd like to see the story develop a bit, but it's exposure nonetheless, and it's only going to prove good things with Stephen Wilson. Yeah, Stephen has had a really good week, because one of the other people who was tied in that number two spot, Dave, was Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Someone who is definitely justifying Stephen's faith in her. She is now the fourth overall for the season on mm-hmm. 41 points. The story of Bianca Belair, do you see her at all dropping the title before SummerSlam? Um, before SummerSlam, probably not. Because, you know, as you know, we've discussed many times on the show before, Bianca has got the long-term booking in the bag. You know, she's the one who's going to be racking up wins over the SmackDown women's division. She's going to be the one who's going to be at the top. And she seems to have this continuing ongoing feud with Bailey. 
With, I don't know if it's going to stretch all the way to SummerSlam, but I think this is exactly what she needs to solidify herself as the as the top woman. And the the proofs in the pudding, you know, like you said, fourth place overall. She's only one point behind uh, Big Scrap Daddy and six points behind Rhea Ripley. So she could easily take second place if she wanted to, and maybe even get to first. You know, a few weeks down the line, if she continues to build this this momentum of continuous wins, continuous appearances, and not to mention that Stephen's got the captaincy on her as well. So yeah, he's in a he's in a very good position with Bianca right now. And you did mention her. Uh, you did mention him, Dave. And we need to talk about <laughs> Scrap Daddy is number one on this week's top scorers with ten points. What a time to be alive! Unbelievable scenes, Jack. We went into this season talking about the influx of non-wrestling personalities in the draft. And it seems to be the case that some of them have fallen a bit flat. However, Adam Pearce continues to prove that he is perhaps the best of this bunch. Would you agree with that statement? Oh, 100%, 100%. It's, it's, I believe in the very first episode of SDL, we were going through the teams and yeah, I, I, someone, I won't, I, won't, I won't say who, who may have tried to argue that, Adam Pearce shouldn't have been drafted in your first round. Uh-huh. And I think being top of this week, being third overall and 42 points, I think it's absolutely justified. And I echo what was said from the start that Adam Pearce is a first round draft pick. Yeah, 100%. Dave, what the. Jack was talking about you there, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured as much. So when it comes to Pierce, do you think, because you, you were sceptical about the first round thing, do mm-hmm. you think that's going to be a staple of Pierce going forward, that if he continues with that same role, he will be picked up in the first round just due to what's happened in this season and last? I mean, given the way the points are going, I think it is justified. You know, he is... You know, going to be a more solid name going forward if people want to choose him for round one or at the very least round two. Me personally, I mean, I, I do, th- I do still think it's a bit of a cop out. You know, having a, a an on screen figure who's always there but doesn't really sort of do much except make appearances. And yeah, I mean, because I, I would prefer if it was a team, you know, that would actually get in the ring and you know have competitive matches. So, and you know, we've had this discussion before about you know non-competing on-screen personnel being selected as draft teams. I mean, there's nothing against it. It's just it's a little bit of a... I, I still maintain it's a little bit of a cop-out. But when you're, when you're scoring points like that, I mean, it's hard to argue that, you know, this is why people choose them to begin with. I think it's like... You, it depends who it is because the commentary picks, I think, were safe. You know what I mean? But no one had picked Pierce. And I think that the difference with Pierce is... You're taking that chance because Pierce could easily be pulled off a of TV one day like that. They do a story on Raw where he gets beaten up and that's that's Pierce done. You know what I mean? And you don't blink an eye. So I do think it comes with an element of risk. I don't think it's Pierce is as safe as, say, a Beth Phoenix or a Tony Schiavone who also scored five points this week. You know what I mean? It's it's there's a slight difference in that, I'd argue, but we'll keep up we'll keep a wee eye on that going forward. But we need to look at the table overall. Um, for this week, as I, managed, as I managed to bring it up, I'm so hungover today. Um, in last place on 62 points is Scott McLeod, followed on 77 by Sarah. We then have a three-way tie. It's myself, um, it's Ross, and it's Mr. David Hockney, all in 78. Ryan Dugleish has managed to find himself in fifth with 79 points. Really close between the five of us there in that bottom half of the table. Gary's on 101, jumping up. Ryan Gallagher on 107 um, at number three. He will be 
be buzzing to be on top of, of Gary. There is no homoeroticism <laughs> involved in that relationship at all. Uh, Stephen is on 125 points. Jack, 137. Stephen Wilson has said he's coming for you. <laughs> the gap is closing. Are you confident enough that you can steer off this threat of Stephen, especially before the transfer window comes along? Uh, yeah, 100%. And uh, I believe what we'll be talking about near the end of the episode is what will help. As with, uh, with a certain pay-per-view coming up on Sunday, I believe there's, there's two victories in the bag for me where uh, Stephen only may have the, the one victory. I think that'll help a lot. I think with my, my captain wrestling on on Monday as well, that'll help. I feel that this was just a bit of a bit of a slow week. There's always going to be a slow week. And it was the one week that Stephen called out wasn't going to have a slow week is the week I had a slow week. Yeah. So I, I, need, I, need, to, I need to keep on saying that I'm having a slow week and I'll, I'll rack up like 20, 30 <laughs> points each time, you know. Yeah, you've got to look at it. Like The second highest weekly scorer this week was Ryan Deglish in 14. Ross also scored 14. Stephen scored 21. You know, so it's 10 more points than you. And like you say, that might just be a slow week. We're reporting this the day before um, a very influential pay-per-view for you so like you say so we'll see how that goes but before we get to that it's time for me to head back to the toilet and wait in my load and it's nothing to do with a hangover it's just at the mere mention of the listeners league take it away <laughs> dave yeah and it's uh, the listeners league has been just as competitive as the bottom half of our table because only seven points separate second place to eighth place at the minute so the Everywhere from second place to fifth could change in an instance. Uh, but we'll go into the top five for this week. And in fifth place, we have JP with shirts and balls out on 117 points. Someone who's sort of been in and out of the top five uh, as of late. Now, his team captain is Charlotte Flair. As we've mentioned last week, you know, she's getting a lot of exposure uh, in the, the women's division as well. Brit, he's also got Britt Baker, who's in line for an AEW women's world title match at double or nothing this Sunday. Uh, and he's also got Randy Orton acting as a fifth round sort of backbone for him. Where I think his team is letting him down, though, is MJF. You know, despite being in a very high-profile feud with the Inner Circle and Pinnacle, he's not been scoring as many points as we'd have liked to have imagined. So, but an, an all-rounded, well-rounded team is what's keeping him in, uh, keep him in, in top in the top five. And also joint with him uh, there on also 117 points is. My favourite and yours, it's Robert Shaw with the Jesters. The first ever Listeners League winner has found oh, himself in the top five. That so, is bad. Yeah, so Robert's had a very quiet Listeners League thus far, but now he's finally starting to make waves. So now we can talk about his team a little bit more detail. So he also, quite a lot of the participants, has Drew McIntyre as his team captain. He has Heyman and Reigns as his tag team. He has Seth Rollins. He has Thunder Rosa. And he also has Randy Orton. But what's letting him down is his, his third round pick, Sasha Banks, who has been MIA since WrestleMania. So despite technically only operating with five people, he has now somehow found his way into the top top five. And I put that quite a lot down to Drew McIntyre as his team captain, who, as we've, you know, we're sounding like a broken record on, but he's always been a, a consistently high scorer. Then we're moving on to third place, where we have Tom Brock and the Tilburg Trappers still, still in and around the top five. Also, Drew McIntyre as his captain. Uh, Adam Page uh, in his round three pick is set to face Big Brian Cage. It's all the rage at double or nothing. Uh, but he's also operating on, with a five-person team because, as we mentioned before, Daniel Bryan has been uh, has been gone since the Universal Title match with Roman on SmackDown. So I mean, it just and, and it's like I said last week. You know, it's 
when you're operating with one person short and you're still scoring in the top five, you're clearly doing something right. And I think the running trend is having Drew McIntyre as your team captain. Next, we have uh, John Jonathan Swift with Swifty Tombstones Lee in second place. Now, Jonathan has been sort of again there are there are routes with the with the scoring lately, and he's been sort of just working his way up uh, from fourth to third, and now he's found himself in second place. But in first place once again, yeah, it is. You've guessed it. It's Ross Brady with the talented Mrs. Ripley. Now. Ross's team has been something you know we've been talking about all season, and it's whilst it's been a bit of a, a mixed bag for him to say the least. The the team of Randy Orton and Matt Riddle, RK Bro, has been a has been a saving grace for him. Not to mention you know Damian Priest's consistent wins and appearances on uh, on Raw as his team captain is helping him rack up the points, and he's also in a great position with Britt Baker uh, as his third round pick, who is expected to win the AEW women's title at double or nothing. Then you've got Rhea Ripley, who's the Raw women's champion. And finally, you've got AJ and Omos as his tag team. So it, you know, it, what it looked like, you know, it seems a bit all over the place at the minute. He's actually in a very good position and is capitalizing on where storylines are developing. So it's, but I want to, I think we should keep an eye on who's going to sort of jump in and out between the top five, given how tight the score is at the minute. So on that note, back to you, Goat. Ross can when the <laughs> listeners leave. Ross can that was uh, friends reunion was this week by the way. Uh, anyway, so we are going <laughs> to round off the show. Uh, Jack alluded to it. Big pay per view coming up on Sunday. AEW's Double or Nothing. A lot of talk was made this season. Uh, Dark was gone from the draft. Hallelujah! Thank the fucking Lord at last. Um, and then Dark Elevation came in just to piss me off and annoy my day but it has led to some interesting stats to talk about when it comes to the AEW contingent of the draft people who have been drafted people who haven't been drafted got a total of 166 points from AEW so far this season a mean points total of 12.76 which is very interesting uh, and a median of 11 which is the second highest of any brand currently in play in the draft jack when it comes to AEW, we talked about the impact that crossover stars between Dark Elevation and Dynamite could have in points. Looking at the table, it could be the, that said that that's the case because obviously you have Britt Baker um, topping that. She does tend to appear sometimes on both. Tony Schiavone makes the jump over between both. And then the Young Bucks who are on your team um, are on 19 points as well. What's your thought of the AEW uh, draft pick so far this season? Um, I, I think there's a out, out of what's been picked I think there's good but I think it's what's not being picked is the more more interesting a lot of who would actually be the top scorer and I think it just goes to show how how unpredictable maybe how smart you need to be when drafting from AEW purely because of that dark elevation element in that like, like we're, we're, we're seeing for like Scorpio Sky as the top scorer in AEW wrestling overall not like out with being drafted and not drafting 28 yeah. points and that that's ahead of Britt Baker Tony Schiavone Young Bucks you know what I mean other folks that have been in, in there John Moxley on 26 if Kenny Omega was just taking himself he'd only been 12 points so like mm. the, the, the big factor for AEW here is dark elevation and it's it's really interesting maybe it's depending on this this new show that might be getting announced or whatever's happening I don't know how 
how folk might change their AEW drafting strategy come next season as to are they going to go solely more for Dark Elevation because we're seeing a lot more matches on that than we are Dynamite. I don't know. It's it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's hard to call. And I think uh, Jack brings it up there, Dave. I think AEW gives Stephen Wilson a headache sometimes trying mm-hmm. to decide what to do, what should count, what shouldn't count. Because obviously the, the thing is we don't include like secondary shows on the WWE brand. You know, we don't include main event and stuff like that. Yeah. So where do you draw the line on what you include for AEW? And obviously Rampage is on the horizon. Does that mean that Dark Elevation will be dropped off and it'll be Rampage that replaces it? Like, what's your thoughts in terms of, do you think it's right that two AEW shows are counted in the draft, or would you prefer it to just be Dynamite that's counted? See, that's the tricky thing, because AEW's roster is so stacked at the minute that they need to sort of spread it across multiple shows for everybody to get a decent showing. And, you know, it's like AEW's doing everything that they criticize WWE for. It's like they've got this massive pool of talent, but they're not using half of them. And I think this is what's, you know, essentially... This is the reason why they're having to expand on so many different shows so that everybody gets a showing. But then again, that comes with its own sort of double standards in that because, you know, we don't include things like the WWE main event, which is meant to be for sort of undercard talent. And we don't include 205 Live, which is another another one. But like we used to do it with like Dark and Dark. Like we used to do it with Dark before and that was a YouTube show. And in some cases in the past, that actually helped, you know, people who picked like, members of the dark order to get extra points in their teams. Mm. And that's, I think led to either a strong place finish or even a win in some cases, but with AW constantly changing its, its schedule, you know, adding more stuff, it just makes it even more difficult to keep up to date with. And there's every chance, you know, some points could be missed or, you know, a high scoring pick, you know, might go undrafted. And, you know, that, that goes with the case of, you know, people like in the dark order. Cause when you look at guys like Preston Vance, John Silver, uh, evil Uno, you know, these get these sorts of guys, you know, they will be consistent point scorers. But if you pick and choose which shows to score on, you might actually miss out on them. So it's yeah. it, it it's all really about, you know, the, the logistics of it. You know, what do you include, what do you not include? Yeah, totally. And Jack, we touched on it earlier, but transfer window coming up, there is a lot of AEW talent that hasn't been picked up that is scoring really quite high. Um, like if you, you talk about Scorpio Sky, Britt Baker, John Moxley, even Orange Cassidy on twenty three point five. You talk about Miro in seventeen. You talk about Anthony Agogo. Um, all these names out there who could be picked up. So my question for you is: Do you think the transfer window is going to be dominated by picking up these undrafted, high scoring AEW picks? And just a wee prediction from you: Who do you think is the most valuable commodity out of that um, list there? Um, I don't know how dominated AEW will be in this transfer window. I don't know how many transfers will actually be made, if I am being perfectly honest with everyone, because I feel that the the, the, the three that haven't taken AEW picks this season are Ryan Leglish, Ross McLeod and Ryan Gallagher. I don't think they'll delve into AEW again. I think it's, 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 just, it's just not for them. I don't see many folk getting rid of other members of their team to draft in. AW folk, the only person that maybe should, I can see off the top of my head, is Scott and try and play a blinder and just pick, like, get, for example, get rid of Walter and bring in Scorpio Sky. Yeah. Like, why? That seems like a kind of foregone conclusion. But 
if I, I said who would be the most valuable commodity for me in an AEW uh, transfer window, I'd, I'd pick three of being John Moxley, I would pick Orange Cassidy, and I'd pick Anthony Agogo. Nice. I like that. I like that. And Dave, obviously, double or nothing coming up this weekend. Who are we going to be talking about um, next week on Saturday Draft Live? Who's going to get the most points out of that pay-per-view? Ooh, that's uh, that's going to be a difficult one to say, but I think Sarah is in the best position to be scoring big, given that Britt Baker is her captain. And, you know, Hikaru Shida has been AW Women's Champion for quite a while now. I think it's time, you know, Britt Baker finally sort of emphatically made that statement about how she's not been on a major pay-per-view in about two years. And, you know, she walks away as, you know, as women's champion because she's been built up in that position to win the title for some time now. Uh, other people who I think might get it, it's um, it's quite difficult given, you know, there's been a, a bit of a mix of of talent here. And I'm just trying to look at the, the table here. I mean... Steven could get some points, you know, if Inner Circle win the stadium stampede match. You know, Chris Jericho has been his low scorer so mm-hmm. far. But, you know, a win there, you know, would certainly sort of push him into double digits, I assume. Uh, Jack, you've also got Adam Page going against Brian Cage. So I'm... There's and who, else there you. Who, else, who else have I got, Dave? Uh, the Young Bucks as well, who are defending the <laughs> Tag Team Championships against Moxley and Kingston. So, Jack, yeah. you're in a good position as well. Yeah, seems like, yeah, seems yeah, like you're confident, yeah, yeah. Jack. Are you confident that the young bucks are getting the job done? Yeah, I feel that they they will drop to Eddie Kingston, John Marks. I feel that they will be the people they drop to, but not at this pay per view. And I know a lot of folk probably think it will be this pay per view, but I don't think so because John's wife Renee is due to have a baby any day, and I feel that John will be having to go off and return leave just for just for a few weeks, you know, and make sure everything's all right, and then it'll be. At the next pay-per-view, which I think will be like all out, all yeah, in, all out. Yeah. John, you don't fucking know him. Call him <laughs> Mr. Moxley to you, sir. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, one thing I should mention, though, is the Casino Battle Royal as well. Yeah. And I believe the only person who's got somebody, who's drafted somebody that's in this Battle Royal is Sarah with Christian Cage, her, number one, one. her number one pick. I think she walks out of that, that pay-per-view in a good position. Because uh, Brett yeah. Baker's going to win that title. I can definitely see Christian winning that battle favorite. royal. I think Christian's and the favourite. Omega and Callis probably feature at least a couple of times throughout it. So, yeah, I think Sada's in a good spot. I think Sada's in a good spot. I think Jack's in a good spot. Um, I think I'm not in a good spot. Um, I, I'm, I'm certainly up, not. I'm, I've like got MGF. I've got MGF's been such a disappointment this season uh, for it's you. A, it's been a real shame, yeah. Such a disappointment. Anyway. You know who right. I'd argue has been a disappointment? Who? Adam Page. He's he's yeah. someone I think that we were all quite... Uh, oh, he's going to be like quite a, a workhorse pick. He's only been in Dark Elevation once, and he's only done like two matches. It's hard, because I, I do believe there is a slow burn benefit for Page. Like whether it is this season, Jack, I don't know. I know. I it's, it's an we all foresee it. We all foresee he'll be the guy to take the title off of yeah. Omega. You know, so it's, it's it's always that benefit. Do you want to have him in your back pocket in case it does happen this season? Even if he is a bit of a lackluster pick. But having said that, he's still he's outscored in MGF. He's outscored in people like Seth Rollins, a traditionally great draft pick. He's two points ahead of him. Um, like he's outscored in like a ton of others who you would expect to be 
miles ahead of him in his current state. So I don't think I don't think it's terrible, but at the same time, disappointment. I would agree with that. But all anyway. I know, all I know is if he didn't win yesterday, I wouldn't have every single one of my team on double digits. Yeah. So. Yeah. There we go, quite happy, quite happy, oh, I guess. That I don't, I barely have anyone on double digits <laughs> on my team. Big E needs to get his fucking arson gear. Anyway, right, listen, <laughs> we'll catch you next week on Saturday Draft Live. It has been a pleasure. We'll be breaking down what double or nothing did to the points where our predictions, right? Uh, what are your thoughts? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And from me, it's goodbye. And from Jack and Dave, goodbye, goodbye friends of Hagrid. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod And I'm Grant McRobbie We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Suplex Retreat East Meets West Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East You can remember to check out on the Eat Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now